Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Halcyon, the Book of Pymen, is a fantasy horror podcast inspired by historical events and characters. This work of fiction was designed, developed, and produced by a multicultural team of various religious faiths and beliefs. Professor Pyman lives in a dangerous world, and his story contains themes of violence, gore, and attempted sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 5 Self-Possessed Clappy? Clappy? Miss Clappy, what happened? Clappy shook her head, then quickly decided that was a bad idea. I don't know. The professor... Sent us to find you. He was wishing to speak to you, but we couldn't find you anywhere. Then he had to depart in some haste after the matinee. I was afraid you'd left us. If it wasn't for Daniel, 
Calliope began to shiver as her body parted from the warmth of Gideon's, and he sat her on the step of the professor's wagon. Siobhan was waiting with a blanket and a motherly hug as she wrapped in knitted wool, then her arms around Calliope's shoulders. She started tisking over the top of Calliope's head, inspecting the wound that was oozing warm, watery blood down the side of the girl's face. Siobhan pulled a handkerchief out of her sleeve. Uh, you can't go walking around with your head half open, child. What on earth happened to you? Well, that won't do at all. I'll have to sew it up, I'm afraid. All Calliope could do was respond with the clattering of teeth, which was making the headache exponentially worse. A man in the wagon I was looking for, looking for. She trailed off, feeling sleepy. Siobhan gently slapped her cheeks and Calliope blinked and tried to focus on the Irish woman's bright blue eyes. The sun was riding low in the sky and the performers around her were starting to get anxious, looking at watches and then nervously back toward the tents. What... what time is it? Calliope shivered violently as Gideon lifted her to her feet. Deciding that she was too unsteady, he picked her up again as if she were a small child and started to lead the procession of sideshow folk back toward the inner camp. It's after seven. And the show starts at eight. We best hurry or the professor will have our hides. The, the professor, he was waiting for me. He tried to, to, to find you. We've been looking for you since before supper for hours. Hours? Calliope's aching head started turning things over and the impossibility of her surviving face down in the pond for the better part of an afternoon seemed absurd, even with her brain as fuzzy as it was. It was then that she flexed her fingers around something she'd been clutching in her hand this entire time, her handkerchief, and she felt them still there, even after her misadventure. The three little pebbles that Villa had given her this morning. Is that how she survived underwater? She murmured against Gideon's shirt. Mm. The mermaid's tears. What's that? Oh, I think you're a bit out of your head there, Miss Calliope. Calliope heard him speak, but she closed her eyes. All she wanted in the world was to just drift off. And she was startled back to full consciousness by Chiffon slapping her cheeks again. Don't you go to sleep. Ah, someone's gonna have to stay with her. Perhaps we could leave her with the twins since they'll be done in the big top. Go, Gideon. 
I'll be back with a needle and thread. Calliope leaned against Gideon's shoulder as they made their way back to the performer's tent, the chiffon's voice trailing off in the distance, instructing Sylvan and Guillermo to go to the Halcyon tent and see if the professor was back, and if so, to let him know that Calliope had been found, and in what circumstances. She felt the rumble in Gideon's chest as he spoke, trying to ask questions about the man in the wagon. All Calliope could do was tell Gideon that it had been dark. Professor Pyman is going to have some more questions for you than I do. So let Chiffon do what she needs to do, Miss Calliope. Try to rest, but don't go to sleep. Or else Chiffon will have more than a few words for the both of us. Oh, you do not want to raise that woman's ire. Trust me. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science. With beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Professor Pyman made his way down the long third-floor hallway of the Prescott's uptown mansion. He found himself oddly impressed with the collection of artworks adorning the walls and displayed throughout the corridor. There were pieces here that were worth the entire Calibus Brother Circus. Pyman laughed himself and shook his head. These people, such a shell of the human condition. If they sold even one of these paintings, they could fund the building and operations of two orphanages at least. I hold no great love for the human race. But I must say, I detest these elites most of all. Hyman was ripped away from his inner thoughts by the animalistic screams emanating from the room at the end of the hall. He gripped his cane a little firmer as he stretched out his other hand to turn the ornate knob of the door. Pyman heard the guttural screams intensify. The voice, or voices rather, spoke in languages he had not heard in a very, very long time though most of it was 
unintelligible, but somehow familiar. Yes, very familiar and ancient. Pyman let out a small chuckle. (laughs) Well, well, there may be something to this after all. His entry to the room in question halted as he heard the hurried, shuffling steps of Fergus Prescott approaching with hands outstretched. My dear professor, I told him to notify me at once when you arrived. Ah, I see you found poor Nathaniel's room. I fear he's getting worse by the hour. Why, since we came to you earlier this afternoon, we've had to resort to restraints. I don't know how much longer I could continue with this. Pyman took the large man's hand in his own, as Mr. Prescott covered both with his other and shook it vigorously. Oh, think nothing of it, Fergus. I needed to gather a few things I might need, but I told you I'd be along directly. It was helpful for me to hear it for myself. Get the lay of the land so to speak. The screams coming from the room started again with a fervor. Eleanor Prescott slowly walked up to the two men. Her eyes were red and puffy. Clearly the poor woman had been crying uncontrollably for the last hour. Thank God you've come, Professor. Fergus, did you tell the Professor that Nathaniel has gotten worse? Yes, Ellie, I told him. My dear professor, in your expertise, do you think anything can be done for our boy? Based on what I've heard thus far, I do believe there is something here. I feel a presence. Some nefarious entity is here with us. I'll know more once I've come face to face with Nathaniel. I will do everything in my power and abilities to deliver your son from this evil. May I see Nathaniel? Pyman tucked his cane under his arm and reached out both his hands, resting them on the Prescott's shoulders. Fergus Prescott rapidly shook his head up and down and moved towards the door. He gave the professor one last concerned glance over his shoulder. Lead on, Fergus. Nathaniel continued his screams and primal rantings from inside. Pyman mentally checked the languages. Sumerian, Aramaic, Egyptian, but a very old dialect, and yes, there he was, Turkish. As Mr. Prescott turned the knob and opened the door, the room fell silent. Mr. Prescott let the weight of the door carry it open wide. Pyman slowly stepped into the room. There was a young, red-headed servant girl standing by the far wall, trembling.
trembling with her body flattened so hard against the silken pattern of flowers and cranes, as if she were trying to melt into it. Paimon regarded the girl as she met him with wide eyes, then lowered her head. He saw the cotton stuffed into her ears, and a small smirk crept across his lips. The professor straightened himself and stepped over the threshold into the room. The walls were barren, save for what looked to Pyman like claw marks. There were dark stains on the walls and floors. Judging by the smell, Pyman surmised it was the unpleasant mixture of blood, vomit, and human fecal matter. The room smelled strongly of this unholy concoction and sweat and rotting food. Pyman turned his attention to the four-poster bed in the middle of the room. There was no bedding to speak of, just a bare stained sheet atop a ripped mattress. Nathaniel Prescott laid on his back, his arms and legs restrained by chains. His wrists and ankles were wrapped in linen to keep the steel from biting into his skin as he thrashed upon catching sight of his parents. The Prescotts meekly entered the room behind the professor. Nathaniel, this is our good friend, the professor. Professor Pyman. He's come to help you with whatever this affliction is. Can you say hello? Nathaniel cocked his head to one side in an appraising, bird-like manner, then leaned to the other side at a most unnatural angle, assessing this new visitor. He would have been a passively handsome lad otherwise, but now his features were pale and twisted, his body contorted in an unseen battle. His ragged breaths could have been a freight train running through the room as he attempted to sit up, pulling on his restraints and hissing. Hello, <laughs> Professor. <laughs> Would you be a lamb and tell the servant girl standing at the wall to remove the cotton from her ears? <laughs> I've been trying my goddamnest to get her to just listen to me. <laughs> Pyman slowly walked from the bed to the girl standing against the wall. He gently touched her shoulder and motioned silently for her to remove the cotton from her ears. The girl's fingers had to make several attempts to remove the plugs as her whole body quaked. She never took her eyes off Nathaniel. Pyman placed himself between the two and met the darkened gaze of the afflicted man. I will only let you speak to her if you tell me your name, demon. Nathaniel's body twisted against the restraints. He smiled a slow smile in Pyman's direction. 
The veins were blue on his pale face. The whites of his eyes were red and bloodshot. His limbs strained, pulled, rattling the chains from his place on the bed. <coughs> Let me speak to her and I will tell you my name. Hyman heard the girl whimper from behind him, but it was quickly drowned out by the sounds of Eleanor Prescott sobbing in the opposite corner. The professor's expression remained impassable as Nathaniel continued rattling his restraints, making animalistic noises in the visitor's direction. Very well. Nathaniel would like to speak with you, miss... The professor turned around and met the maid's frightened gaze. She shook her head from side to side, and Pyman put his hands on her shoulders, squeezing them in encouragement. The girl's green eyes left Pyman's face as she peered around the large man to look at Nathaniel. <laughs> Finally! <laughs> Finally! Thank you, thank you, Professor. Abigail, now that I have your attention, finally, what do you say about coming over here and bouncing that tight Irish ass on my cock? <laughs> I'll fuck you dead, girly. Just give me the chance. <laughs> As Nathaniel finished his sentence, he began to manically laugh, hooting <laughs> in between belly laughs. Mrs. Prescott screamed after hearing her precious son speak in such vulgar ways. She covered her ears and ran, sobbing out of the room, quickly followed by the servant girl, Abigail. Nathaniel Fergus Prescott! you treat Abigail that way? And how could you use such coarse language in front of your mother? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Blow it out your ass, you oversized fuck, Fergus. (laughs) Ooh, I'll fuck that cow wife of yours once I'm done with the help. I wish you would untie me. The red-headed slut is getting away. Fergus, you fat fuck! When I get loose, I'm going to skin you alive. <laughs> oh, let me get my hands on you. <laughs> It's time for you to go, Fergus. I need the room to work. And I think it's best if you take Eleanor and the rest of your servants and leave the house until I'm done. Dark business is at hand. It's going to be a long night.
the shocked older man nodded and silently left the room, casting one last glance over his shoulder at his son, then the professor. Paimon could hear him barking orders to the staff, and he heard the quick shuffle of moving feet and objects, a few hurried sobs from Eleanor, and the murmurs of the staff as they collected belongings and quickly packed up their employers for a night away. When Paimon was sure the house was empty, he slowly turned on his heel and leveled a hard-set expression at the now beaming Nathaniel Prescott. <laughs> well! <laughs> oh, professor! <laughs> now that you've got me all alone in this big old house, <laughs> all to yourself... <laughs> Oh, oh, ooh, what do you have in mind? <laughs> you know, you almost made the old gal's heart stop. Oh, I was only having a bit of sport at the old bag's expense. <laughs> um... Professor Pyman, huh? <laughs> Little on the nose, don't you think, <laughs> old friend? <laughs> no. I think it suits me quite nicely, actually. Nyaz, what on earth are you doing here? Pyman crossed the open space of the room and approached the bed with a smile on his face. He gestured to Nathaniel, tied down in front of him. <laughs> Don't you judge me, Professor. <laughs> Don't blame me for wanting to see what the upper crust life tastes like. Pyman's brow furrowed as he motioned to the restraints. He looked around the room wrinkled his nose, and then stared at the bean chained to the bed. Well, this doesn't seem like you're living it up exactly. <laughs> uh, well, if my not-so-gracious host hadn't been so fervently against my planned fund, we'd be out on the town. My face buried in some buxom witch's chest. Uh, he has no zest for life, this one. Apparently, he's in love. Oh, some such nonsense with a widow. Lydia, he keeps saying her goddamned name. But anyway... Where, oh, where does the time go? My, how long has it been since I last saw you? 1340? 1350? <laughs> 1348. 
You were gallivanting around Kaffa and a Genoese slaver, if I recall correctly. Ah, ah, yes. Kaffa was such a lovely place. Ha! <laughs> yes, nothing quite as alluring as human greed and the smell of piss and shit. Though the architecture was lovely, but it was too crowded for my taste. <laughs> well, you can't blame me. There was so much flesh for the taking. And the women. I was fornicating as if my loins were aflame. <laughs> I have no doubts that your loins were indeed aflame. As I recall, those brothels were not exactly venereal disease-free. <laughs> well, that was his problem, wasn't it? I left that slaver after I had my fun. Speaking of sins of the flesh... How are those twin beauties of yours? Save them from the Golden Horde, if I recall correctly. Mm. What I would give to just have a taste of their sweet... Careful, Niaz. Best start thinking with the other head. Reminiscing is grand, but you never did know when to quit. Besides. Even with this young man's body, I'm afraid you wouldn't be able to keep up with my girls in that regard. <laughs> You're probably right there. I've always been more of a selfish lover anyway. To answer your previous inquiry, yes. I came up here for a little fun in the sun, if you will. But I have some information you need to hear. Pyman's features darkened, and he pressed his lips into a thin line. Any information delivered by a demon, even when the likes of Nyaz was never good, but it was reliable. Nyaz ran in every circle of hell and beyond. An old friend of yours has resurfaced. Mm. A very, very old friend. I'm inside and brought a gloved hand up and pinched the bridge of his nose. He rested the scorpion-topped walking stick against one of the destroyed walls and pulled one of the remaining intact chairs close to the bed. Well, <laughs> aren't you going to ask who? You must be at least slightly curious. Curious like a cat. You are, aren't you? Mm. Now I've got you. Pyman glared at the man in the bed, 
the fire in his eyes, evident even in the well-lit room. The silence stretched between the two beings for what seemed like hours. Then, finally, the man in the bed <laughs> dissolved into giggles. Oh, my apologies. As much as I like keeping you in suspense, Professor, I'll tell you. <clears throat> Balliol. Balliol is back, and he's searching for what I'll leave to your imagination. But something tells me you already know. First the girl arrives, and now Balliol. And here I thought most of my troubles would be exercising some half-wit demon. Nathaniel sat up quickly, pulling violently against the restraints and twisted his features into an exaggerated frown. This is not a matter to jest about, Azazel. Pyman's face flushed with anger, hearing that name, and he turned his fiery gaze on Nathaniel. Well... Nyaz, and raised a hand. My apologies. <clears throat> Pyman. But with Bigliel's resurgence, you know what that means. You know who that means. I knew it was only a matter of time until she resurfaced. Hundreds of years since the last time. 1789. Lilith. Mm, yes. Lilith. And I can only imagine the trouble she's looking to cause. Pyman turned his back to the possessed boy and walked to the far wall. He paced the length of the room, while Nyaz watched silently from the bed. He stopped, only to open a window, then returned to the demon's side. Yes, old friend. Trouble indeed. I appreciate the information, however vexing it is. What are friends for? <laughs> Friend indeed. No matter. You know you have to leave this boy's body, don't you? His parents are offering me a sum that would even make the likes of you blush. And I doubt you'll get him out on the town to have your fun. Perhaps wise to look elsewhere. Likely someone a little less... conspicuous. Ah, uh, yes, yes. 
Considering the boy is much too prudish, I will leave him be. But, <laughs> once he has his wits about him again, please make sure you tell him to stop playing at magician. Those books he was reading are full of spells. From our time in Sumeria, and quite powerful. If he's not careful, he'll summon all the armies of hell. And even you, dear Aza, <clears throat> Pyman, would have quite a time with all of that. <sighs> ah, well. It was so very good to see you, my old friend. I wish you the best of luck on what's coming. Pyman walked slowly to the bed and placed his hand on Nathaniel's sweat-soaked forehead and smiled weakly. He uttered an ancient charm, words of exorcism nearly as old as mankind itself. As Pyman spoke, the boy's body seemed to slacken. Then, he sat up with a powerful force, straining against the chain that still held him. Farewell, old friend. Take care of yourself. With those words, a wave of energy, like the heat on the horizon of the desert, leapt from Nathaniel's body and exited through the nearby window off toward the rising sun. Nias was gone, banished to bide his time in some dark corner between worlds, until the next open door presented itself. Nathaniel let out a loud gasp and his eyes fluttered open, taking in his surroundings as if he had just been reborn. <gasps> what a... What happened? Is it, is it gone? Am I free? Yes. You are free now. I shall fetch your parents. Uh, sir? Sir? Aren't you going to free me from these wretched restraints? Oh, I'm sorry, lad. Lockpicking is a separate fee, I'm afraid. Oh, get rid of those silly books of spells and magic you love reading so much. Leave the rituals inside of them alone. Advice from an old friend. Pyman straightened his black bowler hat and picked up his cane without so much as a backward glance at the desiccated young man on the bed, the professor deftly exited the room. He made his way back through the long hallway, taking no more notice of the lavish mansion. He had what he came for. There was no artifact here. Only information. And 
as a bonus, one signed contract, the promise of a favor at any time he so chose, anything he needed or wanted from one Fergus J. Prescott for all eternity. As he walked down the steps of the Prescott's home, Fergus and Eleanor exited a handsome cab and rushed towards Pyman like a pair of anxious birds. Eleanor stood with Fergus's arm around her, as though he were the only thing holding her up. Her red-rimmed eyes squinted against the harsh morning light as she clung to Fergus. My dear professor, we could wait no longer. Is it done, sir? Were you able to save our boy? Yes, my good man. Your, Your boy is safe and sound. You'll find him fully restored and awaiting a key. Mrs. Prescott ran past the professor, calling a breathless thank you over her shoulder. Pyman tipped the brim of his hat to the now disappearing Eleanor, who was huffing her way up to Nathaniel's room. The staff also began to assemble for the day. Young Abigail, the chambermaid and reluctant object of Niaz's, affections from last evening, gave Pyman a wary look, but curtsied nonetheless as she met his eyes. Pyman nodded respectfully in her direction, while Fergus Prescott retrieved a very full envelope from his jacket pocket and pressed it into the professor's hand. You'll find the full sum there, plus a bonus for speedy work. Please. Feel free to count it. I don't think that will be necessary, my good man. I know you're good for it. It was a pleasure doing business with you. With the promise to calm the Prescotts again soon, Pyman tucked the envelope into his own jacket, tipped his hat to the portly man, and turned to the waiting handsome cab. The driver urged the horses forward, and the black-clad passenger sat back and let out a sigh. Pyman took mental inventory of the artifacts in his possession. All the items collected over the years. Had the time finally come to put their powers to use? As scenes of the waking city flashed by, one word pulsed through his mind. A name, actually. Her name. Lilith. Halcyon, the Book of Pyman podcast and all its entities are a production of Pyman Media, LLC, all rights reserved. 
Halcyon, the Book of Pines, written by James Gray and Shannon Williams. Directed and edited by Jared Huffaker. Music and sound effects provided by Epidemic Sound. All episodes are available wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And I, Professor Pine, ask for you to please rate, review, and subscribe. And visit HalcyonPodcast.com for more information. Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.